This is the Average to Savage podcast with Paul Garino. Everyone and anyone, athletes, celebs, and much more. What's up, everybody? I'm back for another episode of the Average Savage podcast. Our special guest today is former NFL tight end turned entrepreneur, Hakeem Velez. Hakeem, how's it going? Paul, what's going on, brother? Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Let's just jump right into it. So tell us where you grew up and uh, how you got into football. I grew up in Winslow Township, New Jersey, small, small town in Camden County, about 20 minutes outside of Philadelphia. And I started playing football when I was probably, I mean, I started playing when I was young, just, you know, backyard football. Yeah. I didn't start playing organized football until I was in third grade. So probably, what's that, like eight years old? Yeah, started with the Winslow Redskins. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Gotcha. So since you played for, like, the Redskins, was that your favorite team growing up? I bled green and white. I still bleed green and white. Diehard Eagles fan. Just growing up 20 minutes from Philadelphia, it was, that was home. Like high schools in the area, their their mascot was Eagles. I mean, you wore green and white on Fridays. You got like half off on a slice of pizza or like a free slushy, like for pep rallies. Like it was, that was back during the Donovan McNabb, like T.O. era. And I was a real Eagles fans now. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so you had a great high school career, and you're primarily a wide receiver. And what was, like, your recruiting process like? Probably different than most. Um, I I had an average high school career. Like, going from, like, my sophomore year to my junior year, like, I was actually going to quit football because I liked basketball more. And, like, my first love is basketball. And, like, I wanted to go to the NBA. And I wanted to go to college for basketball. And, like, going from my sophomore year to my junior year, I went to my advisor, who was also my basketball coach, and said, like, hey, I'm thinking about not playing football next year because like, I come to basketball season every year and I'm out of shape because I'm in football shape. And, like, I want to get ready for basketball season in the fall, too, like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And he was like, football teaches you things that I can't teach you. So I want you to, you know, stick with football one more year. And if, you know, you really don't like it, then uh, next year we'll do that and then we'll get you into college for basketball your senior year. And I was like, all right, cool. And then my junior year is my breakout year for football. And it was awesome. I was getting a lot of calls from a whole bunch of different schools, going heavily through the recruiting process. My junior year, that summer, went to, like, I don't know how many camps. Every, I mean, me and some of my great memories is just me and my dad going camp to camp to camp to camp every weekend from, like, all spring all the way through the summer going into my senior year. Like, all the different individual colleges, like, recruitment camps. And... It was awesome. I'd only gotten one offer coming out of the summer was with Monmouth University. And going into my senior year, the main schools that were really kind of like liked me was University of Delaware and Boston College. And they wanted to mainly see like my first three games and determine if they were going to offer me or not. And it's funny because University of Delaware actually wanted me as a tight end back then. And two days before the first game, we were doing this hit and drill. And I was actually the quarterback because our quarterback got hurt. So I went from wide receiver to quarterback to start the season just because I also was a quarterback growing up. And like my freshman and sophomore year, like on JV, I was the quarterback. And I also was the safety. And we were doing this hitting drill because in our scrimmage, we had, we had, we made, we did some, we had some awful tackles during the scrimmage. So we did a hitting drill where we were 20 yards away from each other. The guy who had the ball was standing up. The guy on defense was laying on his back. And it was like, a slim tunnel and you just had to run down and 
tackle. Like it was just like a man up drill. And I was like, man, I'm like, I'm the quarterback. I'm really not trying to get hurt doing this, yeah. but I'm not going to like get out of the drill. So I'm like, I'm just going to leg swipe people. So I don't really take on some serious contact. And I leg swiped the dude I was hitting. He's actually my really good friend still to this day, bio. And he was like, all right, next time I'm going to jump over you. And I was like, all right, yeah, whatever. And he jumped over me. I grabbed his foot. And, like, that leverage of him jumping and me grabbing his foot, like, my knuckles almost went to, like, my butt, like, over my head. Huh. And I tore my labrum. And I was out for the entire season. Like, I had to get surgery in October, November. All those schools, you know, dropped me, stopped. You know, I didn't want anything to do with me after that. So shout out to them. And mom is uh, honored by scholarship and was kind of with me throughout the whole process. And, you know, committed to Monmouth and it was home ever since. Yeah. Well, well, that's, I mean, that's crazy. And that's dope that Monmouth stuck with you. And that's your, yeah. and that's New Jersey school. So, hell yeah. <laughs> so you, uh, you started out wide receiver there also. And then you switched to tight end your red shirt junior year. So what, what led to that decision? Um, a couple factors led to it. One factor was it was Neil Sterling's fifth year, so it was his kind of breakout year. And on top of that, Reggie White Jr. had just came in, and like he just he just signed to the New York Giants um, recently. Mm-hmm. And I remember summer session, he was kind of, it was like supposed to be like my summer year. Like I'm like, all right, it's gonna be my year. I'm gonna be playing, blah blah blah. And then I see this freshman come in. We're doing drills. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this kid's good. <laughs> and then it kind of came down to like my fifth year. Like, if I wanted to get a fifth year, I had to actually get on the field. Because, like, up to this point, like, my freshman, my redshirt year, my sophomore year, my junior year, I had zero catches, nothing. Like, I I used to play during, like, dumpster time, like, at the very, very end mm-hmm. for, like, a couple snaps, no catches, like, onside kick, like, hands team maybe. And I was like, you know what? Like, in order to really get on the field, like, the, one of the tight ends had gotten, like, a concussion. And I was like, you know what? Like, I could, I think I can play tight end. Yeah. And my buddy Thaddeus Richards, he was the wide receiver. He was like, yeah, maybe you should make the move to tight end. It was nine days in the camp, and I went to the tight ends coach and you know told him I said, hey, like you know, what's your thoughts on me moving to tight end? And he was like, yeah, I've been waiting for you to ask me that since you got here. And I was like, oh snap! And he's like, and he's gone. Let me talk to the head coach and like we'll check it out and see how you know get you into a stance and see how you know see what we can do from there. And it was rough at first. So like, I mean, I put on like 40 pounds in like a month, month and a half and was, you know, first game, I got my first catch my first second game, got my first touchdown. And then like third game, I started every game after that. Yeah. That's another crazy story right there. Just, they, they never asked you to move to tight end. No, no. I went up to them because it was, it was looking slow. It was looking real slow at wide receiver. I'm like, you know what? Like, it's looking like I am not like being completely self-aware. Yeah. I was like, I'm not playing this year again. Like it's unless somebody gets hurt, I'm not playing. And if I don't play, I'm not getting a fifth year. If I don't get a fifth year, that means I'm not getting my masters. I wasn't even thinking really NFL at that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was really about getting a masters. So yeah, actually, that that's my next question. When did you realize like you had a shot to play in the NFL? It was kind of really multifaceted like after that season my little brother had gotten drafted yeah. to the Oakland Raiders and like that was a big like, a big realizer like oh my, like, you know if he can do it I can do it yeah. like easily and it was 
my tight ends coach, Jeff Gallo, it's just like, he kind of came up to me after the season was like, he's coached tight ends before that have went to the NFL. And he's like, look, I know what it takes to get, I mean, he was roommates with Miles Austin, like at Monmouth, back when they were at Monmouth together, when he was an offensive lineman. Yeah. And he came up to me and was like, I know what it takes, you know, to get to the NFL. And like, I think you got, you got what it takes, but you got, like you're raw like you don't have like you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. you came into this yeah. like nine days in the camp and we threw you in the fire and you, you know what I'm saying you, you came out but you're you're raw and like we can get you right but like straight up you're gonna get your ass kicked yeah. like i am going to kick your ass like if you're willing to i'll kick your ass this summer and you'll go to the nfl and like i was open to it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh then it was uh I'm not sure if you know this, but I went to, to Haiti that summer. I, right after I graduated, after that season okay. in May, I went to Haiti with my mom, my dad, and my grandma on a missionary trip mm-hmm. with a group of uh, nurses from Villanova University as well. And we went out there. And it was the most amazing week of my life. Like, like I'm Haitian, so like getting ingrained mm-hmm. with my real roots, it was it was unreal. We, we our mission was we were giving out medicine to different churches and orphanages across the country, and it was May 29th, 2015, and it was middle of the night. It was 2:30 in the morning. Me and three other missionaries, we were playing spades, the card game, and we there was a storm that night, so we opened up the steel door, deadbolt door, to let a breeze come in, mm-hmm. and like. You know those electric fly swatters that you can like, hit bugs and they made like that loud like, yeah, like yeah, sound? Yeah, 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 yeah. All of a sudden you hear this loud pow. And like my initial reaction is like who's hitting the electric fly swatter? In reality it was a gunshot going through the screen door. And then you see a foot kick through the front door. And eight people storm into the house behind that foot. And there's a guy sitting. I, I was froze. Because like, I, I still was like fly swatter and then everything just happened in slow motion. And... The guy, is a guy named T, sitting across the table from me. He jumps across the table and tackles me out of my chair. And that same guy who shot through the front door and shoots at us. Like, you know, there's a bullet hole in the wall and, like, we're laying on the ground below it. And then, like, they come over, flip over the table. There's a girl next to us. She has a shawl on. They rip it into pieces. Hog tie us. So hands tied behind your back, feet tied at your ankles, and hands tied to your feet, and then blindfolded. And then those guys went room to room and stole everything um like they they punched one lady in the face like attempted to rape another lady and failed there was a pastor who was staying with us and like if you didn't know where his bedroom was you'd have never looked there and he was hiding under the bed and he called the police and the police were like where are you guys located at nope we don't come to that area like good luck click and then like, he calls the next door neighbor and says, go outside and like empty your clip like out in the air. So all of a sudden you just hear like, like all these gunshots outside. And like, I don't speak Creole, so I don't know what's happening. I don't know if the country's under attack. Like, I don't know what's happening. And yeah. um, after those gunshots, we had thought they left. But on our compound, we had also had like a medical clinic and they were going in and out of the, the clinic, you know, still in the medicine and all that kind of stuff. And at that time, my dad had untied himself out of the bedroom. And, you know, from his perspective, he hears gunshots and hears his son screaming and then gets tied up in his bedroom. Do you know what I mean? Like, he unties himself, crawls out, makes sure nobody got hit, and then starts to untie me. Well, no, closes the steel door first, puts the deadbolt in, starts to untie me, and then, like, 30 seconds later, doom, 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 you hear, like, loud banging at the door. 
like in their back. And my dad, everybody's just like, be quiet, be quiet. Like we're all being quiet because we don't think they can get in. And then they start shooting out the windows. So, so my dad's like, okay, okay, okay. And opens up the door for them. They like rough him up, tie him back up, throw him on top of me and go through the house again. And like at that time, that pastor had done the prayer that morning at the prime minister's office. And he calls the prime minister himself saying, send the police, we're under attack. And, like, the police finally hear sirens going off in the distance, like, probably about 45 minutes since the beginning of, like, the ambush, like, started. And once you hear the sirens, they, they scurried off. Cops come. They were there for five to ten minutes. Told us, take pictures on our phones and cameras if we have them, and good luck. And, like, that was it. And, like, three days later, I started summer sessions and started working out, like, going into my fifth year. And, like, I was, I mean, coming back originally, like, I was messed up. Like, I had some awful PTSD. Like, I got a panic attack on the airplane. And, like, that changed me, you know, for, forever in terms of, like, truly understanding, like, the value of life and just being grateful for, like, everything. Like, yeah. nothing can break me on the physical side of things because I can take my mind to the place of you're not in a third world country tied up, covered in your, your own urine, knowing yeah. that you're about to die. So, like, I mean, we could run a 5K, like, right now, and, like, I've never run a 5K, but just because I don't, it's not as bad as in being in that situation, I could do it. And that's kind of how I, I started approaching working out and really grinding, like, like a whole different level of grinding. Like, you can ask anyone who's ever really grinded with me, I can attest that to anyone, like, how hard especially during those times how hard I was working and I think that's what really like that you know overcoming that traumatic experience is, is something that really attests to kind of where I am today that's amazing that's crazy and wow that definitely could be a life changer right there so you think if that never happened do you think that you wouldn't have worked as hard uh I don't know I, I don't know I know I still would have grinded yeah like Obviously, like I was trying to go to the NFL, but there's just those times where times get tough, obviously, yeah, yeah. all the time. And I know that all the time, like going back to that place was, I don't know what place I would have went back to or what would have kept me going in the sense of when times got tough, like when you're mm -hmm. working out, you know, for, you know, on the grind 10, 11 hours a day. You know, from the, when you start to train to go to the NFL at like the, you know, the place you're training at pre-draft. Like, even when you're, like, a rookie and, like, any times, like, when times get tough, like, you can just go thinking about that. Like, times can get tough right now, and it's just, like, it's amazing how grateful I am. You know, it's, uh, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I honestly don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what that, I don't know what that feels like. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, I know even though you went uh, undrafted, you got signed by the Arizona Cardinals and you made the practice squad. Uh, what, what was that like, uh, making the NFL roster? Oh, that was super cool. I was just happy to have a home and have a job, and uh, it was really cool trying to be a part of a family, like, you know, practice squad. I think some people don't realize, you know, practice, practice squad gets, like, a stigma, like, oh, you're not, like, really a part of the team. Like, you're you're, like, you're a part of the team when you're in the practice squad, and it's like you do everything with the team, and it's, everybody's kind of like a family. It's like, oh, he's practice squad. Like, he can't hang out with us. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's, it's uh, yeah. it was cool. And then after, after like, you know, actually getting bumped up a couple weeks in the season that was uh that was unreal yeah yeah what was that like just stepping on the field for your first like official nfl game uh it was wild mainly because 
it was Thursday night football, so it was prime time. So it was, you know, an extra whole set of cameras out there on the field. Mm-hmm. And I also made a mistake, a couple mistakes during the game. <laughs> like, um, there was like a play action pass, like a naked play called, and uh, I knew the, the ball was coming to me. Like, if the defense did what they were supposed to do, which they did, and because like, and I had caught the same, same ball during preseason against the Broncos on the same exact play. And the play was called, and I was like, oh, let's go. Like, Thursday night football, like, let's do it. And the ball comes to me, goes right through my hands. And I was like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'm like, damn, go back to the huddle. Like, my fault, guys. Very next play, it's a rub route. I'm setting a pick for Larry Fitzgerald. And I set it. He catches it. He goes for, like, 40 yards. Offensive pass interference on me. Oh. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then, like, you know that on field camera for like the primetime games, like that thing is like following me. So, like, it's like in the huddle with me. It's like yeah. in my head. I'm like, oh my gosh. I know they're just ripping me on TV. Like, rookie Hakeem Ballas <laughs> comes up for his first game on the practice squad. His first play is a drop. His second play is offensive pass. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I'm like, oh, this is rough. Um, but we wind up winning that game. So, you know. Nobody tends to really remember the mistakes, which is, well, not after film. No one yeah, remembers yeah. the mistakes. Um, but it was an awesome experience. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, in 2017, uh, I know that the Cardinals waived you, but then you signed with Detroit. And then is that when your entrepreneurship and uh, real estate came in? Actually, no. So my entrepreneurship goes – so kind of being self-aware as a kid mm-hmm. i've always been an entrepreneur and yeah. i'll get you all the way back to the cardinals like back when i was in like fifth grade i was you know i can't believe some of these people used to let me cut their grass yeah. my <laughs> older brother would drive me around to these houses that i would put on i put ads up on craigslist and go cut grass then when i was in middle school like my mom had a sam's club's card and she used to go to sam's club and buy me a box of skittles for 13 dollars and had 36 skittles in it and then i'd go sell each Skittle, bag of Skittles for a dollar and make $23 per box of Skittles and, like, went to school every day with two backpacks on. And, like, when I was going from high school to college, my little brother, Max, had broke his iPhone for, like, the 10th time. And, like, my dad was like, I'm not paying to get it fixed. And I was like, let me check it out. And went on Amazon, bought a screen for, like, $20, $25. And it took me, like, six hours, but I fixed his phone and it worked. I was like, oh, my gosh, it worked. And then, like, ding, like a light bulb went off in my head, and I took apart my phone, put it back together until I could do it in 20 minutes. And then I showed up to college my freshman year, my first day on campus. Like, I was the iPhone repair guy. Like, I fixed, like, three or four phones a day. Like, literally you know, bought the screens for 2025 and uh, fixed them for 60. And then I used to take the cracked screens and sell them to this company in Alabama for $5 a cracked screen and they used to recycle the screens and make new screens. And then I would go to all the iPhone repair stores in the area, in like the Mammoth area, and buy their screens, their cracked screens from them for 250 a screen and then go back to my dorm, my house, bubble wrap those screens back up and then ship them out to Alabama for $5 a screen. Like, and then I got to, like while I was in college, like the girl I was actually dating at the time, her dad had, his own house flipping business. And my major in college was business with a concentration in real estate. And he took me under his wing and we flipped like 10 houses together in North Jersey, like while like I was in college and playing football. 
like it was awesome like i used to schedule my classes at night like our practice would be around noon and like 6 a.m to 10 like i was up in north jersey knocking down walls putting in offers on pre-foreclosures driving neighborhoods writing direct mail letters and putting them in people's house like their front doors mm-hmm. like i was really doing it it was kind of cool getting that hands-on experience and then in the classroom learning the terminology but like in reality learning how to be an employee at one of the bigger commercial real estate firms and when i was on the cardinals like i was paying two grand a month for this place for rent and so i mean like that whole house flipping thing was cool but like after me and that girl broke up like obviously me and that his her dad's relationship ended in terms of real estate but when i got to the cardinals even before the cardinals like that January through April when I was training at Test Football in Jersey, like it was about an hour, hour and a half commute every day from Monmouth, traffic. And so hour, hour and a half each way, is about three hours of driving, about an hour for lunch. And like during those four hours a day, I was always listening to real estate podcasts and audiobooks, just grinding. Like, cause I had that, oh crap moment. Like if this football stuff doesn't work out, like, yeah. I'm gonna be living back at home with mom and dad like you know what I'm saying like this is it like I literally put my MBA on hold 10 credits to go like this is it like you moved out of the house with the boys like it was I'm like oh my gosh like that was when it really hit is when I moved out of 1165 Lincoln Court that was when it hit I was like yo like we're all in burning the ships yeah. but like I was like nah I need to I need to have a fallback so I decided whatever city I was going to I'm doing real estate and when I went to the Cardinals Went there. I made a post on this site called Bigger Pockets. It's like a real estate. It's like a Facebook for real estate, but they have like a forum there, like for state for state. Mm-hmm. And I made a post introducing myself. My name's Hakeem. I'm a tight end for the Cardinals, looking to network with other, you know, real estate investors. I want to house hack my first property here in Phoenix. And like house hacking is when you live in one unit and rent out the other units on like a multifamily property using like an FHA loan. And that was what I did. I made that post, like 30 people responded, took them all out to coffee, you know, picked their brains like up and down, visited their properties, learned their SOPs, like learned all their processes, everything. And I found like an awesome investor slash realtor and we found a nice fourplex in North Phoenix. And I lived in one unit and ran out the other three units and lived for free, like when I was playing with the Cardinals. And then when I got cut, I took that unit that I was living in and had my manager Airbnb it and went to the Lions and did the same exact thing with the duplex. Yeah, that's great. See, I didn't even know all these stories before beforehand, like you were already doing it during college and stuff like that. That's why, that's why yeah, I had to get you I on. It's kind of, I'm not, you know, some people like, make announcements before they're about to do something i like try and do it first yeah yeah, yeah and then yeah. i'll say i just did it <laughs> yeah no nah, yeah i like that so that makes all oh, makes sense now so you just had the passion already for real estate like a while ago oh yeah i had the bug since i was almost 18 19 something i've always just wanted to do and then it's uh it's coming to reality which is an amazing thing yeah yeah for sure so Overall, you played for the Lions for two years, and then you signed with the Giants in uh, November 2018, and then you're now into your retirement in February. So what led to that decision? So in, like, December, going into the offseason, I realized, like, I like, even during the season, I'm realizing, like, because I've always never been, like, crazy passionate about football. I've already told you, like, I was, like, mm-hmm. someone who's passionate about football isn't willing to quit their junior year of high school. Yeah. 
know what I'm saying? Like, I wasn't, like, the best, but, like, I was going to play. Like, I love basketball more than football. Like, that's just what it is. And, like, I just saw football. It was just kind of like that. It was, like, event after event after event led to me going to the NFL. It was literally my little brother went. I'm like, oh, crap. Like, I can do it. Like, now it's, like, take advantage of this opportunity of a lifetime. Like, in the lifetime of the opportunity. Like, it won't be here forever. And it was, like, Haiti happened. And then it was, like my coach telling me I could do it. And then it was just like, it was happening. And I always still had that, like I said, entrepreneurial real estate bug. Like it was something that I needed and had to do it. And like my last season, I'm realizing like in my playbook, like I'm half of my playbook is, you know, Dallas Cowboys, you know, here's people to watch for Sean Lee, this person, that person, like watch out for, you know, these different fronts and all that. And the other half of the page is call this investor today, call this broker today. You know, I might've put some numbers on a property so I could kind of analyze it while I'm in meetings because it's like, I'm feel like I'm wasting so much time all day. And like, I also had a baby back in August and mm-hmm. it came down to like, I had, it had to be that way because like I couldn't be the real estate investor I wanted to be the dad I wanted to be like the, now I'm a speaker as well. The speaker I wanted to be and like also play football. Like it didn't all add up in terms of what is making me happy. What is giving me fulfillment versus what does everybody think I should be doing? And like football is what everybody thinks I should be doing, but it was just like, it's not necessarily what was making me happy. It's not necessarily what was, you know, I wouldn't say it was holding me back because I think it was the most amazing stepping stool and just helped me guide me to where I wanted to go. And it was just like, it was the time. And like, it wasn't like, you know, it was, you know, body's hurting a little bit. Mm-hmm. And like, it was, I'm not, some people are puppeted by the league, like stuck by the league and can't physically retire because yeah. if they retire, they can't pay their mortgage. If they retire, they can't pay their car payment. They've sustained, they can't sustain the lifestyle that they've now have you know elevated their life to because they're on this level and don't realize you know that money is not going to be there forever and like haven't leveraged themselves well and you know when you've leveraged yourself enough well like you can easily walk away where now you're not like a slave to that paycheck yeah yeah definitely i mean exactly what you just said with the real estate and stuff and just making yourself happy that's the ultimate goal right absolutely and to be in that back to like being like a a dad like being able to like be with her every morning and like take her on a walk every single day and like see like all the small things that happen every day that i'd otherwise miss you know when you're leaving at six in the morning and not coming back till five five thirty every day and like hungry tired and then Mm -hmm. she's only up for another hour hour and a half before she goes to sleep like that's not what i see fatherhood as for me yeah and i I always say it too i don't think like people like in general or like fans or whatever realize like the travel that pro athletes do in general and just if they have families or kids or whatever, like they don't, they, like they don't realize that they it's, don't see them and it's, the moods and it's stuff real. like that. Yeah. Like I don't it think people, real. I don't think and people like, see it like that. And even if, if you're a West coast team, every time you play on the East coast, you're not leaving on Saturday, you're leaving on Friday. Yeah. So like you're seeing your kids last time, you know, Thursday night, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, Thursday yeah, yeah. night, and then you leave Friday morning for practice and then you literally get on a bus to go to the airport and then you're gone until Sunday night yeah, and then you know what I'm saying you get back and then Monday you're back at work and Tuesday you're off and then if you got another away game again it's Tuesday Thursday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and it's like that's that's cool like some people do that and like you know I even I work and I grind and I take days but it's like that's just not life for me on an everyday basis yeah, yeah definitely 
Now going into your uh, your video content, which I think is great, and uh, I've been seeing a lot of it, and I've been seeing that LinkedIn is uh, killing it now. Like everyone's, I think LinkedIn is the move right now for content. It's kind of absolutely. I think it's kind of on the low right now, but I think it's gonna. I think it's rising. It's rising right now. So what are your, what are your thoughts on LinkedIn? Uh, I think LinkedIn is it's probably one of the best platforms out there mainly because it, it has the best organic reach it's like how facebook was a couple yeah. years ago like a decent amount of years ago but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's unreal it's it's actually wild like you don't even like facebook instagram like to get some of that reach like you need to you know maybe use instagram facebook ads but like linkedin if you drop solid content you'll get a wildly amount of organic reach like my very first post on linkedin like got like seventy thousand views yeah. and like i freaked out like <laughs> it was like i thought instagram was gonna have like the way like and it was right when i first started dropping content after i retired and i thought like instagram and like was gonna have like the most views because like that was like really the only thing i ever posted on like while i was playing in the league and i had like only 300 i think connections mm-hmm. and like after that post like had over a thousand connections and like seventy thousand views and like got to be on a couple podcasts and like got a couple speaking engagements out of it. And like, it was really cool. I'm like, wow, it proved itself. So now it's like double down on what it is. So now I'm trying to like, with all the busy stuff I'm doing, like I'm trying to drop more value add content to LinkedIn, like stuff that's actually valuable. Cause like some of my stuff isn't necessarily for LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and you know, you got to kind of tailor your content to whatever platform, you know, find whatever your content that goes to that platform. But like, I'm trying to do some more written content and like some more like detailed, like some of the stuff and deals that I've done, but like on like an actual X to nose and not on like, just like a kind of a quick story, like me and you talking right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like even, uh, I knew they were testing out going live on LinkedIn, but I don't think, I don't oh, think I didn't it, know that. That's cool. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's open. Yeah, I don't think it's open to the quote unquote public yet. But I'm gonna. I think it's gonna be really interesting because I think then it's gonna be like actual like business talks on LinkedIn like live, which would be more valuable than people just going live on Instagram while. <laughs> mm, yeah, no, yeah, that's, that's very true. All right. So, what advice would you give someone that either wants to make the NFL or is inspiring, aspiring to be an entrepreneur? I think the best thing is to be self-aware. Like, know what you actually want and know why you're doing it. Like, do it because you want to do it. Don't do it because, you know, your family thinks it, you should do it. Don't do it because your girlfriend thinks you should do it. Don't do it because your friends think you should do it. Like, do it because you want to do it. And, like, if you want to prove something to yourself, like, don't do it because you need to prove something to somebody else. Like, do what you love. Like, entrepreneurship is, like, something that's the new in right now. It's the thing yeah. that's cool. So, like, you know, a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money and a lot of pride and a lot of self-esteem, like, yeah. because a lot of people are going to fail in entrepreneurship. Like, everybody has L's. Like, I have L's in entrepreneurship. But it's about, like I said, being self-aware. Is it mm-hmm. working? Like, only time will tell and the content will tell. Like, give it your all. Especially, like, NFL or, you know, NBA or any type of professional athlete, it really comes down to those, like, cliche moments when you think no one's watching, really putting that work in and, like, doing those things that no one else is doing. Like, when you find yourself in those moments doing something that somebody else isn't doing and you find yourself alone doing it, double down on it because that means you're really you're really up to something. Like, I remember when I was training, 
and I used to start to do hands with like there's a quarterback coach named Tony Racciopi. And like he's now like I mean he threw to me to my pro day, but he was training high school kids after like our you know our our training sessions started like seven eight at test and we'd finish up like four four thirty five maybe depending on the day and depending on the workouts, and he would be training high school kids at like six from like six to like eight quarterbacks and he would catch for them and be coaching them so I just volunteered to like catch for him. And, like, that was every day. I like catching hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of high school balls. Yeah. But it didn't matter because I was still getting my hands better. But I realized I was the only one doing it. And was like, all right, keep doing that. Because it's those type of moments. It's, the, it's that type of hard work. It's where the confidence comes in, where you can go back to when, like, you're, like, I can just visualize those moments. Like, when you're in preseason camp or you're in mini camp and, like, times get tough or, like, you might get a little bit down on yourself in terms of self-confidence. Like, oh, man, am I really good enough to be here? And then you just go back in your mind like, nah, I remember those moments up with those hours and 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 hours of work in where it's like you can't beat that work. Like that work is it is what it is. Like it's, it becomes muscle memory at that point. So it's like it comes down to self-awareness. If that's what you want to do, that's what it's going to take. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, 26 mm-hmm. years is, yeah. you know, <laughs> what it's taken. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, you ready for some fun questions that are going to go from average to savage? Oh, let's do it. <laughs> All right, what's on your playlist? Oh, so I don't listen to much <laughs> music because, like, I, I really do listen to, like, Gary Vee's podcast, like, all the time and a couple of real estate podcasts. Let me pull up, let me pull up my... Uh, my title real quick I'll tell you um or like any favorite songs right now uh nothing new I'm always just listening to like I just got a new record the Lady Lady by Masego it's amazing I was listening to some Kanye recently I was listening to some Chance recently I was actually listening to some Dave Matthews band recently alright I'll take it what about any, any good books you're reading right now yeah, um, I'm reading, um, it's called The uh, Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, it's a really good book. It's um, it's about Tony Shea. Is, he's a guy who started Zappos. Well, not really started it. He had an incubator, and that was one of the companies that were in the incubator. And um, just kind of how he created that company. And he's also like a real estate investor. Like he's one of the bigger multifamily investors in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. but he's like, I mean, he's a multi, you know, nine figure millionaire. And like, he lives in an Airstream, like in a parking lot, like in different parking lots in Vegas. And I think it's like the coolest thing, but it's a really good book. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. What are three areas that you want to buy properties in? Um, Kansas city, Tampa and Orlando. All right. Any any specific reasons why? Uh, yeah, the job growth in Kansas City is amazing. The population growth in Orlando is going by a thousand people a week, um, and Tampa, kind of the same thing. That I four corridor going from Tampa to um, Orlando is that path of progress, and Tampa is like a very beautiful market, but the the real estate there is very underpriced. And it, at, compared to Orlando, I actually like Tampa better because it has, compared to Orlando, Orlando's more, has more of a touristy vibe, but Tampa actually has like a culture and like actual human vibe feeling to it. Gotcha. Yeah. I had to ask you to drop some of those gems. <laughs> no, no doubt. 
And uh, last one, what's harder, playing football or being an entrepreneur? Mm. Playing football. Playing football, definitely. Damn, I thought you were going to say being an entrepreneur. No, it depends on what you mean by hard because yeah. this is it's more fun. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I like the challenges. Like football, it's just like you're doing it, but it's like, who am I doing this for? I'm doing this yeah, for yeah. 32 of the richest people in the world. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. playing fantasy football. And it's like, <laughs> I'd rather be doing it for myself and it doesn't make it as hard when you're just yeah. like, when you're not having that self-actualization or realization of what's actually going on. Yeah, I feel you. Well, I appreciate you coming on and let the people know where they can follow you on social media. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, um, Hawk Vallis 80 so H-A-K-V as in Victor, A-L-L-E-S, and then the number 80. Um, that's Instagram and Twitter and then LinkedIn, just Hakeem Vallis. And, like, I guess one of the coolest, not coolest, one of the best quotes that I like is the fortune is in the follow-up. Like, people don't follow up with people, like, especially, like, after podcasts, like, I hear people when people drop their socials or emails, like follow up because like yeah. be dope to talk to people. Yeah, for sure. I mean, actually, one thing I've been preaching, like people always DM me about, like, how am I getting like say you or somebody on my podcast, uh, and I'm just like, I'm just emailing them or DMing them. It's not like a, it's not a secret. It's like I'm just contact you know. <laughs> yeah, it just starts with doing it. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I appreciate you coming on again, and def- we'll definitely be in touch. Absolutely, brother.